Grace and peace to you, beloved. If you haven't had a chance to meet me in person yet, I am Amy Wilson-Feltz. I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, and I'm really excited about worshiping with you in this season of Advent because this is my first season of Advent with all of you. So thank you for being with us in whatever way you can and for worshiping in community as we turn to the gospel according to St. Luke in the first chapter, and I'll be reading verses 26 through 38 this morning. So you can follow along in your Bibles if you have those with you or a favorite Bible app, or you can follow along on the screen. Hear now the word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her, the angel came to Mary and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by these words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne, give to him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age also has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. During the last three months of every year, while most people are focusing on Halloween and Thanksgiving and in our tradition, Christmas, my family embarks on a season of celebration all our own. We don't have a cute name for it. We often name things in our family, but we don't have a cute name for it. We simply call the 73 days between October 13th and December 25th one huge festival, one party after another. October 13th is the anniversary of the day that Jason first saw me. I was preaching in a university chapel service. He was worshiping, and the story goes that he does not remember one word of that brilliant sermon that I shared that morning because all he could hear was the song Dreamweaver playing in his head as he said to himself, 
and I quote, uh-oh. And he tried to muster the courage to start a conversation. Well, of course he did start a conversation, and it's that moment of extreme bravery that we celebrate on October the 13th, along with Jason's mother's birthday as well. But that's just the beginning. In the 10 weeks that follow, the Feltz Five celebrate a wedding anniversary, three birthdays in quick succession, an adoption day, and another birthday all before Christmas. Tis the season. Tis the season indeed. And it's so easy, not just for my family, but for any of us to get lost in the hustle and bustle of this time of year, regardless of what we find on our individual and family calendars. Any one of us can find ourselves wrapping up Christmas in many layers of our own expectations that we have for personal traditions or time with family and friends or distance from family and friends, unresolved conflict, church rituals, grief, celebration, and hope, especially hope. As Kathy so beautifully said last week, we're hungry for it. We hunger for hope. That's one of the reasons that it is so important for us to take the time in this community, as I said with the kids, to slow down and to really observe the season of Advent because in all of our packaging of Christmas, we risk losing the one expectation that really matters. Well, that's what makes this season of Advent so powerful. And during these four Sundays, we can hit the pause button on our celebration of Christmas. Advent invites us to hit the pause button on our celebration of Christmas. Now, before you call me Scrooge or the Grinch, and I've been called both often and recently, just hear me out. I'm not suggesting that we devalue Christmas, that we skip it altogether. What I'm saying is actually the opposite here. This season of waiting is important because Advent, which is another word for beginning, invites us to build the suspense, to grow in our anticipation, to raise once again our expectations of God's mysterious presence and work in the world. And we find all of these elements in our story for today from the first chapter of Luke. It's a familiar story for many of us. In fact, it's so familiar that it just might lose its power if we gloss over some of the most important details. Mary was just a girl when the angel Gabriel came to her, likely no more than 13 years old. She was betrothed to a man named Joseph, and their engagement was a legally binding arrangement. Certainly, it was clear to Mary that the angel's announcement that she would become pregnant before she was married could throw a wrench into her marriage plans and could pose a risk to her life. She literally could have been killed for being unfaithful. So those are the legal matters at stake. But there are there are matters of faith that need to be considered here as well. First, the angel shares the common message that comes from God through the messengers. Do not be afraid. 
we find this phrase or others like it 365 times in our Bible. That's once for every day of our calendar year. And we find it in our holy text in situations that could be extremely frightening. The idea is that God's presence is the only thing that enables us to, to face those situations with any kind of clear thought. And then the angel launches into his announcement regarding the birth of Jesus, the heir to the throne of David, whose kingdom would have no end. These would have been familiar words to Mary because they reference a really important conversation between the prophet Nathan and King David himself. And as a faithful Hebrew girl, these words would have resonated with her. They would have signified that God was up to something. So it is in the exchange that follows that we experience light being shed on just how strong this young girl really is. Here she is face to face with a supernatural being who is sharing with her things that seem unbelievable and actually put her very life at risk. And she has the presence of mind to ask a question. How can this be? She asks. It's a fair question if there ever was one. I mean, parenthood alone will turn your life upside down, right, Guillermo? But being the mother of the Son of God? Good for you, Mary, for taking some time to ask for more information here. This response of the angel that is given to the question speaks of the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is quite impressive and mysterious, but I really think it's the last half of the explanation, the part about Elizabeth that really catches Mary's attention. It's also a story that's found in Luke. Elizabeth was thought to be unable to bear children, but in her old age, she becomes pregnant, and even her husband couldn't believe it to the point that God shut his mouth so that he couldn't speak until the baby was born. And of course, that baby would grow up to be John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus, a voice crying out in the wilderness. Elizabeth's pregnancy is shared here with Mary as a sign that God's miraculous plan is already in play. It was in this revelation of something that was thought to be impossible that Mary begins to open up to the possibilities that a partnership with God can offer us to the point that she can say, let it be. Let it be. Let it be with me according to your word. It's that with me part that really is critical because it speaks to Mary's personal agency and how she hands it over. She submits it to God's will in partnership with God for this grand plan for redemption. It's a powerful exchange. And we tend to gloss over it in the season of Advent because we've heard it a thousand times and we're on our way to the showstopper, which is the miraculous birth of Jesus. But that's exactly why we're hitting pause today. In the second Sunday in the season of Advent, we are returning to our theme that we launched last week called Unwrapping Christmas. During this series, we are looking for a simple take on a busy season 
We're focusing on four short but powerful words of our faith. So last week, Kathy launched this series as she talked about the importance of cultivating and sharing hope. Today, we turn to another four-letter word, love. Next week, we will turn to joy as we hear the story of the Christmas story told in the words of the children of our community. And then the week after that, the Sunday just before Christmas, we will talk about what it means to live in peace within ourselves and with each other as the world continues to spin as it does, our heads often spinning with it. Together, we are unwrapping Christmas, beloved. We're taking time to open the true gifts of the season and consider how we can enjoy them for ourselves and share them with everyone around us, especially those who need it most. And Mary shows us how to do that in this passage this morning. We often highlight that moment of resolve, the commitment to the plan, the profession of faithfulness, as she says, let it be. But remember, upon hearing the scandalous news that she would give birth to the Son of God, she says first, not let it be, but how can this be? How can this be? And I would submit to you this morning, beloved, that this question of Mary is not one of doubt. It's one of curiosity. She wants to know what God is up to in this upside-down plan. She wants to see what her role really is in this divine scheme for redemption. She's not just opening her arms to receive this gift that she's being given. It's a gift that she didn't ask for. She's not quite sure she wants yet. Instead, she sets it down and she unwraps it. That's what she's doing with this question. What is going on here? What's inside this gift? And this is what the spiritual journey does for us. Our journey of faith like Mary's is not a series of blind professions. It's a series of questions. It's a pattern of curiosity. It's an experience of God's presence and God's faithfulness. The spiritual journey is a movement for all of us from how can it be to let it be over and over and over again as we continue to unwrap the gifts of God. So let's think for just a minute. What did Mary really unwrap? What did Mary unwrap in that moment when the angel came to her and delivered the words of God? What understanding from her own faith background could she apply to this idea that God would send a baby to the world to lead her people, to lead all people into freedom and to justice? What would she find at the bottom of the box that would make everything she was about to put herself through and her family through worth it? Love. Love is the gift that we celebrate on this second Sunday in Advent. Mary's love of God for sure, but God's love of all of creation before that. Now we've talked about this before. Love is not just a feeling, not in this context. It's not merely a sentimental expression of affection. Love is a commitment. It's a commitment to the well-being of another person. 
actually the way we talk about it here at Morningstar is to love is to will the good of another. It's to will the good of another. Now, this thought is not original with me. It dates back to the 13th century with St. Thomas Aquinas. And we should thank him for putting it in these words because it's a brilliant way to talk about not just what love is, but how love works. This definition of love, it dismisses the fluff. It gets right to the substance. Love is not really love without a willingness to act on behalf of another person. That's the kind of love that God has for us, beloved, and it's the only kind of love that we can really trust. In fact, love is not really love without trust. Love is not love without trust. Her willingness to trust in the love of God is what brings Mary to a place where she can say, let it be. Because when she unwrapped the angel's words with her questions, what she found was an answer that pointed to God's faithfulness. An answer that pointed to God's faithfulness, God's history, God's pattern of hearing the cries of the people, seeing their suffering and being moved to save them. How can this be? Because God is doing what God does. Mary knew she could trust that answer because she trusted God. And that's what she found at the bottom of the box. That was the essence of the gift when all of the extra wrapping was removed. That's what she could continue to expect to experience when all of the details of her life and the plan that God had for her continued to unfold. Love. It's what we can expect to. It's the gift that we have already been given. It's just that sometimes it gets all covered up. It gets all wrapped up in the trappings of the season and the demands of life and our fears and in our stress. And we can mistake our longing for love, our search for it, as doubt. But it's not doubt. It's curiosity. What we need is a willingness to toss out whatever is not serving us well, a desire to dig to the bottom and be reminded that the love that God has for us can never be tarnished, to find the courage to be vulnerable enough to trust in the promises of God. This is the spiritual journey. It's the movement from how can this be to let it be, and it's different for every person in every season of life. I'm not sure what it looks like for you today. I'm still discovering what it means for me and for my family as we click through the calendar days full of celebration and fanfare, one right after the other. Our freezer is full of cake. Many kinds of cake. But I do know this. This kind of unwrapping is exactly the purpose of the season of Advent. It's what the pause button of this liturgical year was designed to give us. Time. Time to reflect on the faithfulness of God. Time to consider what it is that God would have us do next. How God is calling us to bear Jesus into the world with our own actions. Time to reclaim the hope and the love 
and the joy and the peace that are the hallmarks of the Christmas story and the Christian life. Time to reclaim our time with a bit of simplicity in this season. Simplicity is underrated. It's underappreciated. It's undervalued, especially in our culture, especially at Christmas time. But it is in simplicity that we can discover that God has been with us all along, that God is with us just waiting for us to discover that we have never been alone in the first place. Just think about it. The angel Gabriel did not take out an ad for an unmarried woman with the town herald. You can laugh at that. It's okay. I know sometimes it's hard to tell. He didn't make a pronouncement in the temple on a high holy day. He didn't write Mary's name in the sky in clouds. He showed up in a quiet, personal moment, simply bearing the truth of God's love. And it's the exchange between Gabriel and Mary that is most remarkable precisely for how ordinary it really is, how simple. So can it be for us, beloved, no matter our circumstances, if we are willing to do a bit of unwrapping. So the invitation for all of us this morning, while we're still on pause, is to take some time this week to ask ourselves what needs to go in our homes, in our schedules, in our lives, what can we let go? What can we let go to experience the love of God more fully in this season? What can we let go? Maybe it's an expectation that other people have of us. Maybe it's a commitment on the calendar. Maybe it's a tradition that can be tweaked or dropped altogether. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's pressure that we put on ourselves. Whatever it is, it's time to let go, beloved. It's time to let go so that we can give ourselves the gift of time to give us time to unwrap the gift of love, to let love remind us why this spiritual task of unwrapping Christmas is so important, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world that God loves so much. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, God of the Most High, for you, nothing is impossible. Through a poor young woman in a small town, you gave birth to your realm of endless glory. By your Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill us with new life and hope and overshadow us with your power and your grace so that we, like Mary, would be your servants bearing witness to the promise of your word. We pray these things in the name of Jesus the Christ, 
who has come and who is coming to reign in our hearts and in the world forevermore. Amen.